you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest. His name is Chris Davis. He's from automationbridge.com. We're going to talk about some of my favorite topics. And I know Chris's as well. You've got two Chris's here who both love marketing. They both <laughs> love marketing automation. They both love WordPress. Welcome to the show, Chris. Chris, thank you for having me. I have been looking forward to this since I put it on your calendar, man. And we we actually got started before you hit record, like on accident. It's just, I'm, I'm just so excited. Just started oozing out, man. Well, I'm a, I'm a mission and vision guy like you are. And, you know, my life mission is my company mission, which is to lift up others through education. Mm. Yours is to make automation accessible. How do you yes. do that? Yes, yes. So, so Chris, this was, this is a story of humility. Okay. <laughs> okay. And by that, I say, you know, when you become an expert in your respective space. So for me, that's marketing automation. I've worked for active campaign. I've done marketing automation at a high level for other startups to help them raise uh, millions in capital. You get used to what others would look at unbelievable and super duper becomes the norm to you. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you're not careful, Chris, what you'll do is you'll go into the market with that mentality and you'll talk at people hey, this is what you should be doing. This is what you could be doing. And, and they'll love it because they're like, yes, I want to do that. How? <laughs> right? And then you, you leave them with this excitement, but you they can't really do anything with it. And I realized that that's what I was doing. And when I say humility is because when I, when I assess myself, there was a bit of pride in there to show people how much I know and show off automation. And I really had to say, you know what? Let me slow down and meet people where they're, where they're at. When I looked across the market, the, the digital marketing landscape, and then I looked at the email automation landscape and then the marketing automation landscape, right? So real quick, digital marketing is the umbrella of all marketing online. Then you have email automation under that umbrella and marketing automation under that umbrella too. And I looked at those respective spaces and I saw that the industry is really just now, Chris, getting comfortable with the idea of email marketing and automation. And, and, and I'll prove it. Here's why, because you now see platforms like MailChimp, that is a email marketing platform, offer automation, right? Finally. But they, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Finally. Yeah. And their version of it is the automation of email sending. They're not giving you, now you take that, we've got email automation and you go to marketing automation with a, a platforms like ActiveCampaign where they do everything that MailChimp does, but they empower you with a much more robust automation experience and much more capabilities, right? So I look at that and I, from all my time working at ActiveCampaign, seeing how confused the users were. I thought Active Campaign was fairly simple software, honestly, but I come from Infusionsoft days where things were super complicated. So context there. And if you're confused on this platform that should be easy and people still aren't emailing effectively, but the email marketing platforms are telling you to not just email, automate, but they don't want you to fully automate because they know that'd be too confusing. It hit me and said, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm too far. I need to go to where the people are. People are just now getting comfortable with sending emails and then some automation of that sending of emails. So that's where the entire mission of making automation accessible is that I said to myself, we're going to be a company that no matter how much we know, we are going to meet the industry. We're going to meet our audience where they're at and equip them with what they need immediately, right? Now, the benefit is the immediate equipping will scale. That's that's the bonus, right? That's where I get to use my superpower, Chris, 
right? And, and know, okay, I've seen scale. So what I'm recommending today will probably work not just today, but tomorrow and the tomorrow after that. But I've got to make it accessible. So so that's one part, right? Is meeting them where they're at and 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 equipping them with the right technologies. The second part is aligned with your mission, and that's education. I I have a, a voice that I'm working on amplifying, by the way, uh, but it is a voice of agnostic reasoning. I'm, I'm in nobody's pocket, particularly in terms of software, but I have to do, I have to partner, do better partnering with softwares like yourself to give you all that amplified voice so that people understand what's available to them. That's the second part of making it accessible. So that's where it came from. That's what it means. And uh, that that's what we're committed to, man. That's awesome. I love that. And it, you know, I, re I re resonate with the story where you're an early adopter. Like I remember when uh, lead pages first launched and, um, you know, I was early in the Infusionsoft community as well. And uh, when you're an early adopter, all of a sudden one day you end up with all these fancy terms and you're in this room with just a small group of people that are talking about, automated funnels and this and that. And then, <laughs> but like the market's out there and they're, they haven't even heard about it yet. That's so that's a, that's a really cool insight you had. And um, my hat's off to you as an early adopter and an innovator, but you're right. The big opportunity is the the rest of the curve, the majority of people and business yeah. owners and stuff out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you, uh, you touched on it a little bit, but can you expand on what you were saying? There's email marketing and then marketing automation. How are those different? Like yeah. specifically the marketing automation piece. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is, I love talking about this because part of my mission with education, and I, I just uh, released a podcast about it, is what happens is when people are confused, they conflate. Okay. okay. So when I don't know what's the difference between email marketing, email automation, marketing automation, I conflate it to one word automation. Okay. <laughs> now I can throw this word, this blanket word out there and hopefully it covers everything. I'm just going to automate that, my business. Right? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. But what part, what part are yeah. we talking about? There's many parts of, uh, of your business. So yeah. a big portion of what I do is breaking down and, 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 and compartmentalizing what these things mean. So this is one of my favorite ones. So we'll start with email marketing. Email marketing is the process of using email to market your, your, your products, right? So we know that as building a list, the database of people that we can send emails to, and this is where email blasts come from and things of that nature. Automation at that level is essentially an autoresponder. Somebody opts in and they get a series of emails. We call them drip campaigns now and all of this, but it's an autoresponder. It's nothing new. Marketers took it from like Outlook out of office responders, right? <laughs> Said, hey, what if we added more emails to that and put it in a software? We've got a whole new software, right? So that's email marketing beginning and end as we have known it to be. It's expanded a bit now where you have some tagging, um, they may allow you to collect more custom fields, but usually it's focused on getting an email address and sending emails to that email address, right? Then you say, okay, we've migrated from that. So that would be like our MailChimps, um, AWeber, uh, historically, AWeber, eye contacts, vertical response, you know, th things like that, uh, constant contact. If you look back, three, four years ago, that's exactly what they were. Now, I don't see too many people playing in the email marketing space, Chris. All of these platforms have really migrated to the email automation space. And what that means is they're realizing we need to give people more than just sending emails. And the first, the first two platforms that I saw do this a few years ago was GetResponse. GetResponse was the first one that went from email marketing to email automation. Now they're trying to do marketing automation and convert kit. Mm -hmm. Those were the two that came out the gate and was just like, Hey, look. And then shortly thereafter that drip came on the, on the scene with email automation. And what they did was they expanded a bit of the information that you could capture and what you could do, the automation that you can do with it. So now I'm not limited to just maybe a autoresponder series 
perhaps I can have some dynamic on and off, like send people between automation series. If they finish one, send them to another one, right? If they've already done this one, don't send it again. I've got more capabilities, right? Automation in, in a sense, right? However, I'm still limited to the management of the contacts that I'm capturing. And the reason being is because the only proper way to manage contacts effectively is to use CRM software. So the introduction of the, the intersection, I should say, of CRM software and email automation is where marketing automation takes place. All it right. takes that email automation and says, hey, let me supergize you <laughs> with CRM software. Now watch this, Chris. Now that you have a proper way to store your contacts, much more information to capture, now you can do way more automation. Now we're talking about marketing automation, not just email, because I can now automate sending a text message. I can now automate some internal things that maybe the customer never sees, adding a note, adding a tag that triggers something else that uh, notifies someone and then they do something. I've got this whole back-end orchestra that I can't establish with email marketing or email automation. Now, I'm not here to tell you one is greater than the other. Your business needs and the stage of where your business is at is going to determine which one you need. My space is the marketing automation space. You mentioned your podcast. It's called the All Systems Go podcast. So if you're listening to this, go load up some episodes of that. Yes. What, what I kind of have a brain like yours where when I look at, a business, I can start seeing the gears and like, what am I going to automate? What am I not going to automate? Like, I, what's yeah. this machine I want to try to build? And yeah. I know I won't be perfect and I'll make some mistakes and I'll have to tweak it. It's always a work in progress. But I know for myself and a lot of people in, in the space, sometimes they, uh, especially in the early days, they make a lot of mistakes when building that marketing automation machine. What advice do you have around systems thinking or design yes. to help people approach this animal without wasting a bunch of time or overcomplicating it or underdoing it. Yep. Chris, this is, oh my gosh, this answer is going to sound so <laughs> contradictory. It's yeah. painful every time I say it, but it, it, they say it's tight, but it's right. Mm -hmm. And what I tell people is this automation is emulation. What is automation emulating? It's emulating those tiresome, but required tasks that are required to run your business. So what do I, oh, I'm bracing myself to say it. What do I tell people is the first thing you need to do, go waste your time. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's true. It's true. Ooh, 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 that's, it, it, that one's a heavy one. It just sits because nobody wants to do that, Chris. Everybody wants to jump straight into automation. Hey, less time, more money. Go waste your time. You have yeah. to figure, you have to feel the pain of the processes, Chris, right? Yeah. You have to, oh, every day I've got to log in and export this CSV and import it over here. Oh, this is so tight. All right. <laughs> Once you've understood what all of the processes are and you feel that pain, you've wasted your time. The only way to waste time is to know the value of it. So in the beginning, Chris, most people don't even know the value of the time. So watch this. If I don't value my time, I can't properly value automation mm. because one of the gifts of automation, the big gifts is not money. It's time. Literally it's time. And for those who know time is money, right? Automation gives you the gift of your time. But if you don't value your time, you then have a cheapened respect and honor for automation. So you'll go and buy the latest AppSumo technology. You'll, you'll, you'll go and just, do what the cheapest marketing product says do and the best sales funnel that you can buy for $30 off theme forest or something like that, right? You have no respect for your time. So if you don't respect your time, you can't respect automation. That's going to give you more of the thing you don't respect, <laughs> right? So go waste your time. And by wasting it, you'll find value in it and say, you know what? I can't afford to do this anymore. I, I can't keep operating like this, but I need to get this done now it's time to have a conversation. Now it's time to think about automating some stuff. 
I love that. I give, you know, I talk to a lot of course creators and coaches and I often give the advice of put your, to new ones, especially without an audience or they're just getting started to put their phone number, their, their real cell phone number on the website and, uh, you know, <laughs> and let people call you. Yeah. And, and even, even on Lifter LMS, we had, I mean, you can get these services to run it through a 1-800 number. Uh, but we, we had a number on our site, like for so long that rang my cell phone directly. And it's through that the market told me, all right, this is the 10th time I'm doing this time to build some automation or make, but you got to hear the voice of the customer. If you're just like an inventor and you're like, oh, wouldn't that be cool? Oh, wouldn't that be cool? How you get a little messy, right? Yep. I love that, Chris, because for someone like myself, I'm a, I'm an overthinker. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm always thinking and I'm an overbuilder. Mm -hmm. So I always vacillate between, hmm, should I build this to, oh, did I build enough? Right. That That's my life, man. Yeah. And, and discipline and business and success has taught me my first version. It's OK. Don't Chris, don't you touch it unless it proves that it needs more. Right. So that a lot of times that's what we have to do is it's OK to your point, if you have a capture system to where all the leads go to you personally in the beginning, right? Yeah. Work that until it exhausts you. It's and a good you problem really, to have. It's right? a great problem to have. But Chris, watch this. What if I what, reverse it? What if I spend all this money in this fancy funnel and this, this and that and all this automation on the back end and no leads are coming in? Yeah. It's That's a, a waste of time, feeling. right? A waste of time. So go have the problem, create the problem that automation will solve for you. If your phone is ringing every hour on the hour, all right, now <laughs> we're ready for some automated team support on the back end. Maybe those 1 800 numbers do some routing, some yeah. questions up front, you, you know. Yeah. But a lot of times it's premature and it, and it comes from the conflation of the word automation and the sloppiness around the teaching and implementation of it. Let me say the expectations around it. People are now starting to use it as industry jargon to get into your pockets. And what, they, what they're doing is they're becoming profitable off your ignorance. And that's just not right. So what we can do is remove the ignorance. It's going to hurt the profit of those who were making money off of your ignorance, but it's going to put you in a position to where you can properly grow your business through the use of applying technology to your processes that are ne necessary in producing a profit to truly get the full, the full experience of automation. That's awesome. I want to ask a, a more detailed question. I was on your website and I was checking out the automation checklist, which is something yes. we call like a lead magnet. <laughs> Somebody enters their email and they get the checklist. Uh, it's a PDF. But so if somebody, if you're a course creator and you're doing this kind of top of the funnel lead magnet thing, uh, and they get the checklist, how long should a nurture sequence go? I get asked this question a lot and I'm, I'm an overbuilder. I'll, I'll put a year's worth of emails in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I guess more broadly, when it comes to a nurture campaign, yep. how long should it go and how should we think about it? Like strategically? Yeah. So, so yeah, brace yourselves again for this one. Yeah. Uh, it should never end. <laughs> okay. Never end. Now, wait a minute. Every slow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I felt it. Chris, I felt your audience judging me real quick. Hold on. Let me explain. <laughs> time out. Time out. Let me explain myself. This is what I mean. You have it, what I call that is a follow-up framework and there are different phases in the follow-up framework, right? Mm -hmm. Your initial phase is delivery. That right. means whatever that person asked for, get it to them. Yeah. Once they've received it and, and uh, the, the logic behind how to do this, I call it my single double. Once and only once they've received and engaged with it, do you then activate the next phase, which is your follow-up, your mm -hmm. lead magnet follow-up. Now, this is usually what I like to do, Chris, is three to five email sequence relative to what you opted into to connect whatever the next step is I want you to take. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, I've got, I do have a five point automation checklist from there. Let's say I wanted you to um, subscribe to my podcast. 
So with those three to five emails, I will be using what I'm mentioning in the five-point automation checklist and connecting the dots. So you can see that the next step to subscribe to the podcast is like a no-brainer, right? Now that's my framework, three to five emails for that next phase. Okay, what's the next phase? The, the phase after that is a transitionary phase. I've heard this be called other things by other marketers, but what essentially it is, is saying, hey, look, I'm now transitioning from talking about that thing that you just opted in for and the thing that I want you to do, I still want you to do it, but I'm going to transition a bit. I'm no longer going to talk about that thing, but I'm going to continue to send you valuable information actually about more things than, than, than just this one thing too, right? So it's a what to expect going forward email, right? So, or one to two emails of that. And then the final phase is your long-term nurture. This is what I mean. It never ends. You're, you've got to have some kind of nurture campaign, whether it's weekly, monthly, or whatever the frequency in your business is, where you're always staying on top of mind until somebody says, I no longer want to hear from you and they unsubscribe. I've seen people write our email list for two years before they buy something. Like it happens yes. <laughs> all the time. Now, watch and, this, and I say and six months is the normal for us. Yes. Yeah. Now, do you feel that? Do you, do you at time be like, man, they've been on my list for four months. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't feel any of it because you've done your due diligence and you have your nurture built in. So they yeah. come around when they're ready to come around. Yeah. And podcasting, you mentioned you have a podcast again, it's the all systems mm -hmm. go podcast. Yes. Sometimes I'll get on the phone with somebody or on a zoom call and they'll be like, yep. I've been listening to your podcast for like five years and I got a couple questions for you. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like just because you don't hear anything coming back at you, you can't always track everything is what I'm saying that yeah. it's still, yeah. still works it's still out there. Yeah. Can you That's give us some tips on designing that? Um, you mentioned like, there's the lead magnet and then maybe you want to get them on the podcast and then maybe there's this customer journey or whatever you, you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. How do you design that and map that out? Are you a big yeah. whiteboard guy or how do you figure oh, out what that is? Huge, huge, Chris. So yeah. what I've done is I'm so I've got a big whiteboard on my wall over here. It's like the majority of my wall. Uh, yeah. And then two is I can't be limited to my office for a whiteboard. So I also have like note taking apps on my iPad that okay. emulates a whiteboard. So okay. I, I, I'm an analog first individual. Um, so analog first and end first. So I always start analog and I always start with the end in mind. Stephen Covey begin with the end in mind, seven habits of highly effective people. When you apply that to, to, to marketing and business, what is the product that I essentially want people to buy? And then I reverse engineer it. I build, I I strategize it in reverse mm -hmm. and I build it in sequence. Yeah. You know, um, so oh, that's really smart. I want to write that down. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so that ensures the customer journey is aligned and my messaging is in sync, Chris. And it saves mm -hmm. you from the trap of not what could I build? It's more like, what should I build? to get to the, where I'm going. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. And, and when you do this, what it allows me to do, uh, you know, I mentor marketers. I, I, I teach marketers. I'm an educator. I, I, I do a lot of training. What it allows me to do is get them to focus. Once we identify, this is the target. Okay. You said you wanted to sell your book. That alone lets me now know what the customer journey should entail. Now the question is, what type of customer journey do you want somebody to have? A fully immersive? Do you want to take the first three chapters and give it away as a PDF? That's less immersive and kind of like you're on your own. Or what if we take those three chapters and turn them into some kind of mini course? That's much more immersive. Maybe we can do some tracking of what people are consuming and then be better at in an automated fashion, getting them to purchase the book based on their consumption. It all depends. But you see, just by defining and, and say, I want to sell my book, that controls everything in my messaging. Hey, what's in the book? What are you talking about in the book? What, what transformation does the book give? Now I have ideas for content, lead magnets, what quizzes, right? 
but it's all aligned, Chris. And, and we don't talk about anything. Now it's like, if somebody comes say, Hey, I had an idea for a lead magnet that for t-shirts. Okay. That how does the t-shirt connect with the book? Just, <laughs> <Right>. just <laughs> if you can prove that to me, I'm a, I'll go for it. But most people can't, they're like, okay. So, so then what I say is this, Chris, and this is a mind trick that you have to do to yourself. You have to say, you don't say no, because no in a lot of people's mind triggers an ultimatum. It triggers an either or. I like to give people a both and in their mind so that they can rest assured that, okay, it's a no, it's not a forever no, because that's all people hear when they say no. So I replace no with not now. Mm. That's it. Not now. <laughs> okay. Can we do this, Chris? Not now. I didn't say no, just if we're looking at now, no, but later, maybe. Let's get profitable here. And with some money in your pocket, let's see if that idea still looks enticing. Most I wish I had sound effects on the show so I could make, <laughs> you're dropping all these knowledge bombs here. Um, yes, let me, man. Let me ask you another detailed one that uh, I personally run into and I know a lot of people do, which is the idea of segments. Yes. So that you have like a couple different types of customers. Mm-hmm. And I know there's like the ideal customer profile that's like singular, but for my business, for example, at Lifter LMS, we work with subject matter experts and then yeah. like WordPress professionals who build sites for clients or that kind of thing. Sure, sure. So very different people. And and there's actually a third group that does both. They like make courses, and they do client sites. Yeah. Uh, but how do we deal with, how do we think about that? Because especially if you get a lot of segments, sometimes it can be overwhelming and, oh, now I got to build everything like twice or five times or whatever. Any advice around that challenge with businesses attracting different types of people? Yep. I I love segmentation and I have been a huge abuser of segmentation. Like overly segmenting? Yep. Yep. Absolutely, Chris. Because here's what happens. You give people tools to play with and they build stuff and then you come and look and say hey what's that you like you know i don't quite remember what that was supposed to be but it was fun building it right and that's what i that's what happens to me um especially in a platform that's really flexible like active campaign where you can really build any segment that you want it's like okay let me make sure this this and that and i fell into that for for a long time And what got me out of it, Chris, was actually tracking. Mm -hmm. When I realized I could not track the effectiveness of my marketing because I just had too many paths. I I had too many segments, too many outcomes. So segmentation, it looks different in in many ways, right? Segmentation pre-opt-in. Pre-opt-in is really your avatar, right? Is who am I targeting? And for every target, here, here's what's interesting. You can have one product for three different avatars, but your lead magnet to that product is probably going to be different for all three avatars. You right? mentioned Active Campaign itself, like it's for SaaS founders, which is kind of like me, but it's also yep. for they have like five <laughs> solution pages or whatever. Right. There yeah. you go. And that's the beginning of their segmentation. Yeah. Is depending on you are, they have custom pages built for that. A lot of the more savvy startups who are familiar with marketing are doing that, right? Yeah. Dedicated pages for their audiences. That's the pre-opt-in. That's what segmentation looks like. So it could be the same product, but you're just going to position it differently, right? For one audience, like you said, you have the builders. Yeah, They're probably going to want something more technical, right. right? Then you have the subject matter experts. They just need to know that this is the tool that will that they can trust with their expertise. Right. That's a different approach. And then you got the bothers. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm a the power that, users. Yeah. Right. And they're yeah. probably leaning more towards like an agency model where they're an influencer and then they have a done for you service on the back end. Yeah. So then they're looking for how how can I use this this uh this software to really scale my agency. So those that's different language, Chris. Same product. Right. Yeah. So pre-opt-in, you have to understand, you know, what those avatars are. Now, once they opt in, they are a known segment. They're no longer an avatar. They're a say you name that segment something, and based yeah. on where they opt in, 
They are a segment and they go through the framework, as I mentioned. But here's the thing, Chris. Here's the thing. Once they don't take action, they're no longer you. I would recommend you no longer market to them as the initial segment that they came into because that didn't work for whatever reason. So they're Not going into the long-term general nurture. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But look what we have, Chris. We have behavior that yeah. we have tracked to let us know what the next segment that they are in. Yeah. And, and this is critical with marketing automation because what I'm introducing to a lot of people right now, and I know I'm high level, Chris, and I, and I know I'm making automation accessible. So I, but I just want to speak here for a minute. People think that a segment is one dimensional monolithic. You, if you are this, you're always that. No, <laughs> no, they are not. So when you draft your journey, you have to do such that you know what segments they can fall into. If they don't, if their initial segment does not convert, where have you heard the term initial segment? You don't hear it. We just say segment your audience. And once they're in there, we do it up here, Chris. They're in that segment. When are they not? Oh, uh, when they opt out. No, they can still be out of that segment and still be on your list. They're in a whole nother segment. So again, I, I love it. Most of the the when I say love it segmentation, most of the advanced segmentation takes place in the long-term nurture, right? Because you're you're you've got the more information you have, the the better the position, the more effective you are with segmentation. And and guess what, Chris? That's all pre-customer. Mm. People also forget you've got post-customer segments. <laughs> Everybody has these two: one-time buyer, repeat buyer. Mm. You every show me a business that doesn't. And right. if they don't have it, I'll show you a business that will be out of business <laughs> shortly. Right. So you have those two segments. And then within those, what, what are those sub segments there? The one-time buyer. Okay. What's going on with them? Um, maybe we need to throw them back into the marketing nurture and figure out more information so we can get them back in to become a, a, a multi-buyer. If, if, if they, if they are a repeat buyer, all right, now I need to look at the lifetime customer value. Maybe I'm segmenting based on that. You know, you've got other criteria when you get to the customer side, but you're always segmenting and you, and you can see easily how it can get overwhelming. So let me break, bring it all the way down. Keep your segments as singular as possible, right? If you've got two audiences, you've got two segments, they come in, if they don't convert, then they go into your long-term nurture and just nurture them. Okay. Just send your emails. I like to send, e even though you may have two segments, I like to send it to one segment and I like to talk to one person in that segment. Mm -hmm. Let me, I, I got, I have to give this away, Chris. I have to give this away. Okay. So I did this. I did this, Chris. Um, I don't, I don't want to give it away too much because a person may actually be listening. So, so watch this. I saw in my list that there was a particular profession. Okay. And I kept seeing, cause I go to people's websites. I look at my list. I'm yeah. not one of those people that just look at the number. Oh, I'm at 5,000. Oh, I'm at 10,000. No, <laughs> I go and look and say, hey, who's opting in, right? And I went and I saw a particular industry. And I said, you know what? I've got about four top industries for my business. It's e-commerce, web developers, VAs, and, and operation managers, and then marketers. Those are the primary four that come to me to learn marketing automation. I've got outliers, but those are the primary four. So out of that four, I saw one that was really uh, picking up on trends. This is what I did, Chris. I intentionally wrote email copy and recorded an entire episode to the one person in one of those audiences. I had their website up. Everything that I was talking about was literally to them without saying the name of their business. I just wanted to see how it converted. Chris, it converted like immediately. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that was fast, right? So what I'm saying is, even though you have, this is to make segmentation simple, everybody, you don't have to go and say, okay, I've got four segments, so I need four different messages. You can literally take the time. The good thing about great marketing and great messaging is it works on the people it's for, 
and the people it's not for become really good bystanders and fans of it. Like, oh, wow, that was really well written. I mean, I'm not going to buy, but wow, that that really made, I like that email, right? It's a no-lose situation. So to keep it simple, just pick one, one person in one, of, in one of your segments and write to them. Right, record that. a podcast about them. You get what I'm saying? Like, don't make it specific where you say their name and their business, but talk about the industry, talk about the need, right? And from there, you'll start to see other opportunities to use segmentation based on data and based on how people are responding, you know? That's a big insight around keeping things simple. <laughs> like, you don't need to have four different podcasts, no, but maybe one no. episode is for the marketers and another episode is for the other person. <laughs> and it's just same for me. One's for the builders, one's for the experts, you know, yep. and so on. Yep. Keep it yep. simple. Absolutely. And and sometimes when you're in your zone, Chris, and you know it, you know when you're recording an episode and you just, it's just firing. Actually, this, this podcast kind of feels like it, Chris. You, you got me at the right time. Yeah. Sometimes you could pepper that in. So what I like to do is if I'm talking to the digital marketer, yeah. I'll say something like this. Hey, 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 CEOs and founders listen to how I'm talking to them. Yeah. I just include them. I'm not, I'm still not talking to them though. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, this is for the digital marketer. Hey, digital marketer, do this and that. Hey, founders, did you hear what I said? So because I'm telling them to do it now, that's what you need to look for in your next digital marketer. So there's ways that you can even tie it in once you get good, right? Don't try to do all these, <laughs> all these things out the gate. Keep it simple. Talk to your people like you would. Again, automation is emulation. Chris, if I if I met one of the people that were on my list in person, what would that conversation be? Yeah. What would I ask them? What would I tell them about myself? That's what I want to emulate. You know. You mentioned um, tracking performance and results, and I forget that famous marketing quote that like something about yeah, marketing is awesome. I just don't know which half's working or whatever. <laughs> what's your, what's your take on it? Like, and, and sometimes you know, there's friction among, um, you know, business partners or whatever, where like, Hey, is the marketing working? It's kind of hard to tell. Like there's brand yeah. awareness. There's all these like yeah. kind of intangibles going. Yeah. How, how tight can we get our tracking, especially with market marketing automation and, uh, and the things that you help out with? Yeah. The good thing is this, I've, I am a over implementer of pretty much everything. Okay. So it just like I've over implemented on segments before I've overdone analytics to where I tracked everything, had a data layer in Google analytics to push anonymous data down and then tie the cookie to a known user. And, and, it, <laughs> and initially it sounds like heaven. Oh my gosh. I would love that insight. But truth be told, Chris, it, if we're just going to be honest, most people not only don't know what to do with that level of insight, yeah. the other side is they don't even need that deep of level of insight. So what I found is that there's just some key indicators that people really need to measure for business success. And I am a huge fan of source attribution, Chris, huge yeah. fan. If there's anything that I do, I make sure every form that I've created has hidden fields for sources. You yeah. know, by default, I just do UTMs for everything because you can train anybody off of Fiverr or free, any freelance website of how to put UTMs on a URL and it automatically capture. But I, I also use some other some other other means. I'll just say that I don't want to get too technical, but essentially. So you try I'm hard to track the source, the source. I want the source for everything. So yeah. um, and, and it gets technical how to do that, like redirects and auto populating hidden fields things like that. Just know it's possible, everyone. Um, but if I'm looking at my leads this month, Chris, let's say, Chris, let's say I've been on five podcasts. Okay. And every podcast I offered the same thing, which by the way, I do. And at the end of the month, I see I have a hundred leads, a hundred yeah. leads. And I look and see, whoa, 80 of those leads came from podcast one. 20 were amongst podcasts two through five. Yeah. And I had, I had an idea to partner with a particular person, software, whatever. I now at least know where to start. Yeah. Right. Like this was a great source. If they would have me back on the podcast, it's an automatic. Yes. 
right? That's one. That's what source attribution does. If you're if you're posting online in various ways, various social media platforms, I can I can I can I take my clothes off and be transparent, get naked? I just looked at my my analytics for social media, and mm-hmm. my social traction was not what I thought it was. I'll just say it, and a lot of it was garbage. And I said, look, we're posting all these links on these platforms and getting two and three clicks. This is not working. Yeah. <laughs> these are not good sources for us of leads, right? But then I saw my- Do you, uh, let me ask a question mm-hmm. there on social mm-hmm. media. Do you take the time to create a trackable link or are you more Absolutely. just looking at the Google analytics like, oh, Facebook yep. traffic or whatever? Well, I, yeah. I create a trackable link. Now it is, for those of you who are non-techie, now Google Analytics is good enough to tell you where they came from, like LinkedIn and all of that, um, if you don't have it. But yeah, we've got an Airtable database that auto-populates it. And then it even, I've got some automation magic where it'll go through make and create the shortened URL. So my VA clicks a button, the shortened URL just pops up in the next field. And she's like, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> awesome. To face that um, with the post. But yeah, I track everything because it allows me to just more granularity. But once I know the source, the next thing I'm doing is I want to track the performance of those leads per source. I'm, oh, I'm about to mess everybody up, Chris. Watch this. Sticking with the podcast, 80 leads came from podcast A. Yeah. 20 were distributed out. Uh, Let's say podcast C, I had eight leads come from. All right. Yeah. Now that could give me a false positive, Chris. It could give me a false positive. I've got to monitor what they do. Yeah. So the next thing that I want to do is look at my sales system and see how many of the people from that source showed up in my sales system. Right. Okay. That's it. So now once they show up over here, I can now say, okay, this was a good lead source, but was it a good sales source? Right. And then I may find that even though podcast C only had eight people, it generated five sales where podcast 20 podcast a that had 80 generated three sales we've got we've got some some solid data here although i only got eight from podcast c if podcast a and c reaches out to me i might prioritize c because it gave me more customers right right so these are just two metrics chris while everybody's like but what about this and if we just keep it simple, man, we have to keep it simple. Leads from what source did they show up in my sales system? And of those who showed up in my sales system, how many of them converted? If you just track those four, just those four consistently, you'll know which others to add, but you should always have those four that you're tracking. I love that. I would I would cue the, the applause sound <laughs> if I had it. Um, I know we're coming up on time. I wanted to ask you in the spirit of making automation accessible, yeah. but can you kind of inspire some people to think beyond email or, or, um, the, the website, like you mentioned in our pre-chat, you were talking about WP fusion and WordPress and like here at lifter LMS making courses. And we've got like other apps and stuff that we can put together. Like what, let's inspire the people of just some ideas for like a course creator or coach type person. Or if you're building that, those type of websites for clients, if you want to add on some marketing automation services, like what, what can we do when we can actually go beyond individual apps or channels like email? Yes, yes, yes. Chris. And see what I did there, by the way, I mentioned the builders and the experts, (laughs) (laughs) right? Look at that immediate implementation, right? Yeah. Chris, oh, this question is so great because you are part of the solution. The future, everyone, is online learning. It just is what it is. There's no, the online course industry, I wish I had a number, honestly. This is anecdotal from what I see in terms of the amount of features and amount of players that we have in the LMS space. Oh my, I mean, it's blowing up because everybody sees money in online learning and teaching. I would say this, you're, you're, when you have a course platform, I'm going to take Lifter for, for instance, okay? Lifter integrates with WordPress and you all have a freemium model. This means, are you listening to this, everybody? This means 
for a for whatever it costs for me to get a website hosting and domain, I can be in position to offer my expertise in the form of a course. Why would I do that, Chris? Because a online course creates a learning environment that is disarming and it allows me to get to know my audience just as much as they're getting to know me. What do I mean by that? I can, not, I can track performance. I can track progression. I can um, incentivize them to complete a lesson within a certain amount of time and in an automated way, start a countdown timer. And if they've done it within that allotted time, give them a gift, right? There's so much more that you can do to create a personalized learning experience. And if you want to take your marketing beyond email, that is the way to go, right? That Like all roads point to a more personalized marketing and education experience. You can't do it without an LMS. The best thing that I've done is add training to my business model and tracking, training and tracking. Perhaps this is another episode where we talk about the tracking capabilities of Lifter LMS and a platform like WP Fusion. Because we've never, Chris, I'm, uh, this is not hyperbolic statements I'm making. This is real. We've never been in a time where combining the two has been more accessible and more effective. It, the effectiveness of being able to track what people are doing into my CRM system and be able to trigger internal stuff as well as messaging externally. I'm not doing it to make, I'm not doing it trying to get more money, Chris. It's money is going to be a byproduct. What I want, I want the transformation that I know my education is going to provide. And if I can use technology and tracking and software to make sure you complete and consume all of that content, I know you'll get the transformation. And then and only then is when I, I want to receive compensation for it, right? So beyond email, for, especially for subject matter experts, you've, you have to, everybody, you have to get into the game of learning, right? You have to give people that learning experience. People are ready. They're looking. They're, no, COVID helped us out. People are looking online for solutions. YouTube is is uh, is is the the best indicator because everybody has taken video in some form and added it to their social platforms because that's what people are looking for. They're looking to learn. Give it to them. <laughs> Give that's people a, that. <laughs> that's awesome. And one thing I'd add too is that like even if courses aren't the main business, like any business may benefit from some kind of education. For example, 100%. if you sell a product and you can have like, when they buy the product, create an automation to enroll them in this course that shows them how to use the product. And that can actually save you money and customer support and stuff like that. Yes. Education's everywhere. You can it's do education-based marketing. It can be in front of the sale. It's, it can be the product. It can be after the sale. Yep. It's what makes us human. Absolutely. I, I wish I could, it, it, because it's fairly complex, but I wish I could just give that gift of a LMS synced with your CRM software. I really wish yeah. um, no knock against like the Kajabis and Kartras and all that. It's not the same, man. Yeah, It's not the same, but um, yes. Anyways, you, you guys are getting me going down all kinds of technical <laughs> tangents. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be good, Chris. Well, Chris is at automationbridge.com. He's also got a podcast, All Systems Go. So go subscribe to that. Go check yes. out some of the episodes. And I actually just went through your... Um, deal where you had to on your website you had to opt in subscribe to get some of the episodes so you got yes. me on your list again and uh it's uh it was they're good i was listening to some of the recent ones they were awesome um great thank you what final words do you have for the people any or any other places you want to point them or ways for them to connect with you yeah i want to encourage everyone i want to encourage everyone that automation let me let me be specific marketing automation can work for you and there's a good chance you're in, if you're experiencing any kind of pain with your process, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. We yeah. need that pain. We need that pain. Um, so what I would say is the best way to get started 
is just understanding how to build and nurture an email list. If, if we if we keep it that simple, Chris, I believe it will begin to open up doors for other areas of automation. But I like to just slowly walk people through that. Um, and, and, and again, a, a word of encouragement is don't be afraid of the pain that the process is produced that you have to do manually. Don't shy away from it. That is going to be the indicator of your success for automation when you implement it. So if anybody wants to get a starter course in email marketing and, and, and automation, I do have a, a, a link specific for you, Chris, as automationbridge.com forward slash lifter, automationbridge.com forward slash lifter. And that'll take you to a, a, a page where you can opt in and get the, get the vi uh, video series. It's like a mini course where you can learn about the, the framework that I mentioned with email marketing and you'll be connected with me. If you want to continue and learn more and more, you can do that too. But I think that's the best way to encourage people to, to uh, approach automation appropriately and equip them with a resource to, to allow them to do that as well. That's awesome. That's automationbridge.com. Chris, I could talk to you for hours. We'll have to do it again down the road. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, I, I learned a lot listening to you today. And um, I just love how you're making what you're doing accessible because it's easy to go yeah. deep down the rabbit hole and like yeah. get into the, the, the super advanced stuff. But what the people need and the business owners need out there is they need to get in the door. And like you said, just because you're, you're an early adopter, there's still a lot of people that are just coming to this party, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right, Chris. Well, thanks for coming on the show and uh, we'll see you down the road. Yes. Thank you for having me, Chris. Greatly appreciate it. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.